Hello, this is Nisha Riley. Welcome back to the Purple Psychology Podcast. We're on episode 102, and we're going to talk about not using your fingers to count. So you should get a sense in this new way of recording the way that my thoughts develop. So there's an image doing the rounds on uh, social media at the moment. One is a series of random dots, and the other one is a series of connected dots. The first one is knowledge, and the second one is experience. In a lot of ways, this explains why about 60% of the people in Irish schools don't do well because we don't actually create an experience for people with knowledge and with learning. And for those freaky people out there like me who remember everything they read, this is the reason that we do because when we read something we automatically create associations for ourselves Um, and because we create the associations and links we remember what we read in conjunction to something else and we see the similarities or the differences and so on and create just sort of random experiences and random thoughts for ourselves. So some people will remember the lines in a film really well, they'll remember the plot, they'll remember what books they read, they remember what happened in the trilogy, whereas other people won't have any idea once they finished a book and put it down and moved on to the next one what actually happened in the last one. So in many cases, um, in classes and in school in general, we quite often trample on people's learning styles or their coping strategies in a sense, to fit some sort of prescribed norm. And particularly the one that winds me up every time is when I meet students that are about seven or eight and someone has magically decided that they should no longer use their fingers to count. The reason that people use their fingers to count is because some people need to be really in their body in how they count and in order to associate numbers. And quite often, these students have visual perception difficulties And so they're not able to associate the numbers on the page with an experience to remember the counting. And maybe counting forwards, they might manage to grasp, but when they go to subtract something and it's an odd number and there's an odd amount left, they find it particularly difficult to create those visual images in their head. And so the way that they cope with this is to to count on their fingers. And then someone declares one day in class that this is too babyish and that they can't do this anymore. So they kind of start to sit on their fingers and suddenly they can't do any maths. And so they associate with not being able to count on their fingers, with not being able to do maths and with being babyish. So it's a great sort of association that's created all around. You know, to, to run through the different learning styles kind of quickly. So for visual people, obviously we need to create pictures in their head, but we also need to draw. And quite often, students are not encouraged in class to draw and doodle on the page. Kinesthetic people, they're really in the body, so we have the finger counters. Or um, we have practical people who need to construct something so they learn really well with maths if you've introduced Lego and so on. And for auditory people, they're the chatterbox in the classes because they not only need to listen, they need to talk. And so quite often when you start Irish school, most schools in fact, you're told to sit down and be quiet. So automatically we've trampled on two learning styles before we've even done anything. When people are struggling with maths and they're struggling to count and someone wants them to stop using their fingers, the other solution that they quite often present is a really complicated number square. So again, it's another way of having um, something that they have to read or perceive in order to join the dots between mathematical numbers and what's in their head. And so they're not actually, they're still not creating visual, mental, maths pictures in their head. Um, And in some ways, um, though people hate learning tables, if we use games and use more effective ways to learn, 
um, tables, it does create that experience with numbers and it's actually very good for mental maths. And by being good at tables, you're good at mental maths and you can add in your head and you find an association with numbers. So even sometimes I set exercises for people to do where they actually create their own number lines. And in the same way, going back to our idea of knowledge and experience where we're joining the dots, we have the knowledge of a number line, but we have the experience of someone having made their own number line. And this is what I mean by creating an experience in learning. So really a lot of learning can be seen as creating strategies um, and associations that belong to you. And going back to the last episode I recorded, this idea that people need touchstones or certain information in order to jump to the next stage. And one of the books that I really love reading over and over is Harry Potter. But I particularly like Harry Potter and the Deadly Hallows for this because Dumbledore is quite a unique way of teaching people coping strategies. He realises that not everybody wants to be told how to do things, that there's a, a set of people that need to go away and create experiences for themselves. And this is one of the reasons why I think the conventional kind of classroom setting doesn't work, because we quite often just show people how to do things when we don't really allow them to experience themselves. Or we show them the overall idea so quickly that some people in the room can't grasp the steps. And for other people, that actually quite like you to just give them the first step and let them go away and work it out by themselves. And what Dumbledore was particularly good at was knowing people and understanding how they needed to learn things. And so when he left a mission to be completed, he realised what Ron would need, so he gave him a illuminator, which gave him a way back. He gave Hermione a book, because she's a bit like me, and he knew that he, she would sit down and study that herself in her own way and decipher it. And of course he made it more difficult and he gave it to her in runes, so it was definitely something to work your way through and to, to solve and decode. And for Harry, he gave him a snitch, which was back to his sports experience and his sports association in order to remember something. And obviously the sword that he needed to be able to destroy the Horcruxes. But what's quite interesting about the experience is that he didn't tell them straight off which they needed to pick, whether they needed to pick Hallows or Horcruxes. You have to be quite familiar with Harry Potter here. But he allowed them to go on a journey and he gave them enough information along the way and enough key touchstones for each personality involved for them to work as a team, but separately, but in order to make a decision themselves and to bring the best of themselves to the task. And this really, for me, is an ideal learning environment and it's an ideal understanding of having someone give someone what they need in order to create the learning experience for themselves and to create the journey and for them to come to the knowledge and for them to come to the decision as to whether they're going for hallows or horcruxes. There's so much said to me over and over about how big classrooms are and how many people are sitting in the room, but if you set the room up and you stop and you think about what you're doing and you put people into different groups and the fact that some people do learn to learn independently and some people do need to learn with other people and you think about well this person's not always gets stuck there because they can't get to the next stage or this person actually needs to work on the task from backwards because they do better if I show them the answer to one problem and then allow them to work back and create the pieces that brought that together and so on. But we never stop and think about what each person needs in order to have their learning experience. We just sort of put them all in a room. We show them how to do something. We give them the knowledge. And we never think about the fact that those 
dot need to be connected in different ways and in different experiences for the different people in the room, depending on what the learning style is. And if they do develop coping strategies where they start to use the pictures in order to help them to read, or they start to use their fingers to help them to learn how to count, we quite often tell them to stop those coping strategies because they're not the norm of what we think they should be doing.